Because sometimes it's not even hate. You know, it's just frustration. Like it's it's valid frustration. Yeah. But you can't communicate that from a stage if you're trying to promote the gospel. Yeah. Because I I'm sorry, but uh, my Christianity and my faith comes before my blackness. Mm. And so yeah. if if I if that's not my resolve as a leader in the church, yeah. Rather I was white, black you know, uh, Spanish or, or whatever, yeah. that's not my resolve, then I may need to reconsider my position. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Multi-Ethnic Gospel Approach Podcast, where we cover all things multi-ethnic. What's up, good people? This is Marcel, and you are on the Mega Podcast with my man, Micah Gaston, here with us. And uh, listen, man, um, this is episode, what, four? Four. Four? Man, we're doing this, dude. That's right. All right, bet. Well, today we get a chance to um, uh, talk about all things uh, multi-ethnic, and one of the things we want to talk about today is staffing. Yeah. Staffing in a multi Ethnic church. This could be a very uh, weird topic or touchy topic, sure. Because there's a lot of uh, you know, um, unfortunate tokenism that goes with this yeah. this topic. You yeah. know, uh, that comes up in this conversation a lot. And so we just want to just talk about that a little bit and just kind of address the elephant in the room, sure. a tad, but also just kind of hey, talk about what it takes, the level of intentionality that it has. So um, yeah, I want to go ahead and. And allow you to kick it off like you do. Okay. And uh, and then we'll go from there. And then whatever happens, happens. Sweet. So, you know, what ha- what happens on Mega stays on Mega. <laughs> All right, then. I just, I just it felt un- right. Hope it won't be too unfortunate anything happened. happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he almost made it sound like it was going to be tragic. I know, right? Um, yeah, so I think I think one of the most important things is, um, is you know, being able to identify as a pastor, as a leadership team, you need to know the culture of your church. So there's a difference between having a uh, a multi ethnic church or multicultural church and just having a multicolored church. Yeah, come on, man. And so sometimes we can mistake the fact that a church has some diversity uh, in the colors, uh, the the skin colors in the church, and that it is a multi ethnic church. Uh, and sometimes that can be the case, but sometimes it cannot be the case because you could have. Um, people that are different colors of skin, but are very, very similar as far as their culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, being able to know what type of church you have, do you have people that are coming from different backgrounds culturally yeah. um, that are coming to the table that are together in diversity with different norms? Or do you just have some people that may look different but are very similar culturally? Yeah. So I think having honest dialogue about that within your team and knowing. Uh, and I think you can look around your staff and see that, some of what your diversity looks like, sure. um, and, and just knowing what your your practices are. So I think that's really important. And while that's important is whenever you begin to uh, really want to be diverse uh, in the sense of welcoming diversity to your team, um, then you at least have an idea where you're starting from. Um, and being able to have honest conversations with new staff members about your current cultural norms are they pr- predominantly a white evangelical cultural norm where if you went to other churches that are white uh, with the praxis, with the style of worship, with the way you do things, um, you know, um, you, you have that in mind. And so um, so I guess a big thing to me uh, is how you begin to address this issue is if you really want to be a multi-ethnic church, 
uh, then you you have to begin adding to your staff uh, diversity with ethnicity uh, and with culture and allow them to begin to shift the trajectory of the church, the church culture. And so, for instance, I've talked with pastors of, you know, largely white, you know, churches or almost all white churches and, and, and predominantly all, you know, all black churches. And so the difference between a multi-ethnic church and a mono-ethnic church is um, – because they all say, oh, we're very welcoming. Anyone's welcome to attend our church. Right. And although that's great, mm-hmm. I think that is a, uh, that is a great um, bullseye or target to hit that you're normally a welcoming church. Right. It's a different thing to ask yourself, how do we move the, the culture of our church mm-hmm. to where those that are not currently part of our church, right. we move the cultural need of our church to where it could be a place that they call home culturally because we've adjusted how we do things so they now begin to feel at home. They don't have to assimilate to our current cultural norms to fit in and be part of a church. See, that's real key. See, uh, Lord, this is such a good good conversation because there's a difference between uh, being welcoming and being embracing, right? Oh, man, yeah. So, like, like you have have bait that is luring and welcoming and and bait for a hunter or fisherman, you know, so that they can get something and snag it and, yeah. you know, uh, so they can get, uh, have the win, so to say. Sure. And so bait in, in its natural uh, intent is welcoming yeah. to uh, to prey, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And But when you embrace something, it's like you care for it. Yeah. You care for it, you want to nurture it, you want to provide a place for it to be uh, celebrated, honored, and uh, just overall, just treat it well. Yeah. And so I think that um, a lot of what staffing at a multi-ethnic church looks like is embracing other cultures. Yeah. You know, and not just welcoming them because it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, you welcome them. Now you got black people at the church. Now you have, you know, Hispanic people at the church. Now you have Asian people at the church. But now what? If you just got them there for the sake of, I love the way uh, uh, Pastor Joe said it or Pastor Ed said it, just for a glamour shot. Yeah, you know, then that's not a, that's a win for you, but that's not yeah. a win for them. Yeah, you know, and so uh, there's a huge, huge difference between being welcoming and embracing, and so yeah. that's um that's big right there, man. Absolutely, that's big. That's that's such a huge such a huge step in a different direction. So I think one one is simply, and I love how you put it that way because one is simply. Um, pragmatic with an end goal in mind. Right. Like we want to become more diverse um, where there's a difference in just wanting to be a diverse church and wanting to be a church that represents diversity in a sense that we embrace one another in difference. So I love the way that Derwin Grace says it, you know, uh, because he's written a lot on this, got a new book on the multi-ethnic church, which I haven't read yet. It's on my list, but his other, his previous book, you know, uh, High Definition Leader, he talks about, you know, it's not honoring to someone of a different culture yeah. to say to them, I'm colorblind. Mm. Rather, you say, I'm colorblessed. Yeah. And so it's the idea of saying, let me understand the uniqueness and the, the intricacies of your culture, and, and I want to value the difference. And so I'm not loving you because of sameness or accepting you in a relationship or, or being part of our church because of sameness, yeah. but it's indifference, not indifference, but in our differences. That we find the value uh, of how God has made us different in our cultures, and there's such beauty uh, and amazing aspects of every culture. Yeah. Uh, and so, as we understand and embrace those things, it can be celebrated, not just like tolerated or like a, a like a, a yeah. means to an end. Right. Uh, it 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 
it in itself is part of part of the process that God designed it, like us being able to say, I'm coming from this color, this cultural background, and here's things that are normal for me and things that I enjoy, right. and being able to receive that from a person coming from a different perspective right. and to hear the same from them. Yeah. And say, man, that's a different way to see it, or that's cool that, sure. you know, the way that that happens in, in the way that uh, that's not true of my cultural norm, right. but I love that, right. sure. you know? Sure. Um, so that's such a big difference. I love the way you put that. It's that's not so bait. It's, it's, it's embracing. Right. That's good, man. Um, yeah, man. And I, I think, too, that the other part of this is that it's actually something we've already talked about before. Yeah. But it's about, okay, if you're going to do multi-ethnic ministry, then it's like, it, so for instance, if you are currently, you know, predominantly a mono-ethnic church, and, but you have, you know, a whole other ethnicity in your community, um, that is a significant portion of your community, yeah. and uh, you don't have anything in your, or you set, you claim you want to uh, access this other ethnicity in your yeah. community, but you don't have nothing there to offer them. Yeah, you know, then you know you're really not uh, willing, or you haven't shown that you're willing to to embrace that culture yeah. and to have something for them once they walk in the door. And so Absolutely. that's the biggest. That that part of the staffing element is you're not only hiring uh, or or bringing people on your team just for the sake of looking diverse, yeah. but you know you gotta make sure you have people there so that you have something to offer the other cultures as they begin to populate your sanctuary. But then too, not just having anybody up there because yeah. uh, because I'm sorry, just because you black doesn't mean that you can sing. Just because you you, you white don't mean that you can communicate very well. Sure. You know you know what I mean. So like those kind of things or vice versa. Yeah. You know. Um, but those kind of things can just be um, misconstrued uh, over uh, w- with different people's processes or whatever have you. But whomever you know, we're going to have in a pastoral position, in a in any type of lead uh, position, in any yeah. type of volunteer position. I think you know we need to make sure that they're qualified to serve in those areas, sure. um, and not just uh, putting people in place so, for the sake yeah, of. And, and what you're pointing out there's tokenism, right? Correct. Whenever you simply want a person of a uh, to fit a role for diversity's sake, yeah, but they don't have. You know the the character, the competency, the things necessary sure. to fill the role. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because you know the, we've had to turn down some some uh, some people who had a lot of zeal but just didn't have the qualifications. Sure, yeah. you know to to meet that particular role. Yeah, and so and I think that as you are staffing, if you are attempting to build a multi ethnic church and a healthy one, you have to make sure the people that you have in place are qualified, no matter what race they are. Yeah, you know, but they're qualified, and it's not just a matter of having them because they look different, but because yeah. they can do the job as well. Yep. So it's a it's a lot of different um, little layers to that. Um. So uh, let's let's kind of move on into p- uh, the power and reshaping uh, multicultural identity. Yeah. Um, of the church. Um, yeah. What do you got to say about that? So, so I think that um, so like for instance, like we brought you and your wife on the team. Sure. You know, we we recognized that we were largely uh, uh, or entirely, except for some of our people that work with our Spanish ministry, you know, a white staff, you know, white in color, white in culture. Uh, And so we had to have conversations, you know, uncomfortable, but clear conversations on the front end, you know, being frank, saying, you know, Marcel, Whitney, we don't just want a person who is coming from uh, who, who is black in color, but black in culture, who's going to help us make decisions to reach black families and minister to black families in our community that will help us see practices we're doing we need to stop doing, mm-hmm. things we're not doing we need to start doing. Uh, and, and, we, of course, we talked about what does that mean for having a diverse worship experience? What does that mean for, for instrumentation in worship, genres in worship? 
um, inter, you know, implementing like spoken word or rap things we haven't done besides like a guest coming in. Right. You know, and so in, in other words, changing the culture of your church means not only do you add people to the team that are black in color and culture or or you know the other ethnic groups you're seeking to reach, and they're coming from a place where they truly grew up in that background of the people you're trying to reach. Um, but you have to give them not just a seat on the on the organizational bus, but power to make decisions. Like you don't just give them a task, you give them something to lead uh, and give them permission to speak into, you know, practices, policies, those sort of things to say, hey, we, you, we need to see as a church, this is a miss, or we need to redefine the win. Um, and so, and I think that's where some churches who don't have a bad intention of bringing on a staff member of different color and culture, but with not having that self-awareness where we started and understanding the end goal is moving the culture of our church, it means by definition, if you're inviting somebody of a different color and culture to join the team, when they do, you are inviting change. I love that because that's like what you do as a mentor of mine just told me, uh, and I, you've heard me say this before, yeah. but he says, uh, you know, I want to empower leaders to lead. And so that's kind of sure. one of my, my key uh, principles as a leader is to empower other leaders to lead. But I, I feel like, uh, not only feel like, uh, but I know that that was super empowering for my wife and I even yeah. coming onto the team to allow us to to be able to speak into those policies and processes and things that were going on and yeah. things that we could do uh, either better or maybe just things we needed to stop doing altogether sure. or start doing altogether. Yeah. Um, those type of, of moves are so vital, especially, you know, with different cultures, uh, because for so long, I'll just go ahead and address the elephant, you know, in the room, if yeah. you will, like, you know, as a black person growing up here in America, I was taught that Yo, white people don't listen to you. Like, mm, you know, man. like you're not hurt by them. Wow. And so, you know, for for you to for you and the three circle staff to bring me and my wife on and to value our input and to value what we had to bring to the table was super big. And yeah. it's something that we hadn't even uh seen um even in a monoethnic, you know, in, in our black, you know, church um experience. We hadn't yeah. seen that level of empowerment, wow. you know, um, even in that sense. So um, I, I, I'm just grateful for that. But also that speaks to the level of intentionality that, that you guys had in mind when bringing us on, that it wasn't just a matter of, oh, they're talented, but what they have to bring to the table is so vital for where we need to go as a church. And so that has been extremely evident um, for me, for my wife and I. And so um I don't know, man. That that's huge. So whenever you're you're bringing people, because if it, even if it was like an Asian person or if it was you know a, a Haitian person or whomever, sure. like that has value, especially when you're bringing them into a a new culture or yeah. into something that isn't uh, mono ethnic that maybe they're not used to, and and allow them to speak into that. That's huge. And then too, you give them freedom to do that. Now you know you open up a whole nother door yeah. of possibilities For sure. of how the church can grow and how they can be super helpful in the processes that that you guys uh, or that uh, when I say you guys like the leadership of whatever church is listening right yeah. now that you guys may have been dreaming of doing but just didn't have the pieces to put put the, uh, put together with that puzzle or yeah. whatever have you. So just allowing people, man, to speak into the vision, speak into the overall process and all that stuff is super, super, super important. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, it, it, I've seen it written in several different places, uh, but but it's the idea of your systems and practices and all are perfectly geared to reach who you're reaching. 
That's so good. And so, you know, if I'm, if I'm only reaching. Yeah, right. It is. <laughs> so it's kind of like, it's kind of like invigorating and a slap in the face at right. the same time. Like, oh yeah, 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 that's right. Right. And so, you know, if we're reaching a certain, a certain color, a certain culture, a certain demographic, we're reaching them for a reason, you know? And so the leaders we have at the table, you know, uh, is there representation for the people we want to yeah. reach? If there's not, that is probably a large portion why we're not reaching them, yeah. you know? Um, and so being able to just look at who you have in leadership and who you currently makes up your church and, and, and see, oh, well, that's why we're reaching this group really well, but we're not reaching this group as well. And I think, um, so um, Brian Lourdes has some really good stuff. Like he has a book, um, Right Color, Wrong Culture. Okay. That kind of unpacks like people's cultural background that does a really good job. And he's much more eloquent at it than I am. So I'll just kind of boil it down a little bit. Basically says you, somebody needs to know, have enough self-awareness to know where they are too. Yeah. Like to know if they're coming from, uh, you know, a background where they are so entrenched in their culture that they don't play well with others. You know what I mean? Like of another culture. Facts. And, and the fact is that they... Uh, maybe a valuable part of the team, but they may not be a person that's always on the stage communicating just because um, they can be antagonistic, you yeah. know, in the way that they don't help, yeah. you know. And so it's not that they're not on the team or they don't join the church or that sort of stuff, but having enough awareness that just because somebody's the right the right color and culture doesn't mean that they're like the key communicator or something. So, sure. so being able to, you know, know within and have those conversations, which I understand, um, you know, is not um, is not the easiest thing in the hiring process because right. a lot of times, you know, we're kind of talking about those things we mentioned earlier, like mm-hmm. character, competency. You know, maybe they fit our church culture, but part of that conversation also in a diverse church is where are they in that cultural paradigm? And so, he, you know, and so understanding they kind of need to be a person that's kind of in the middle of the, the grid he gives um, of being able to, you know, to be come from a different cultural background. But be able to be bilingual, so to speak. Right. You know what I mean? Right. To be able to speak into and help engage the other cultures in the church while knowing and having the awareness of their cultural norm of how to help us reach yeah. you know, people. And so and so they really have to have that uh that awareness of their own culture and another culture and be able to, you know, walk walk in both lanes, you know what I mean? And be bilingual in those senses. For sure. Yeah. I think too, just in and it's kind of a sidebar a little bit, uh, but even understanding how not to allow your culture to drive the the or to reshape the presentation of the gospel, right? Absolutely. Like so, yeah. that's a big a big part of it because obviously we're an American and it just is what it is. There are things that happen that if you're not careful or if you're not rooted in the gospel, you will let your flesh rise up and begin to say things from a platform. Yeah that God didn't call for you to say from the for platform, sure. yeah. you know, and, and though it may be factual, um, how does it help? That's you right. know, people, how does it help uh, the people in your congregation? How does it promote unity? How does it promote people to God? How does it point people to the father? And if the answer is, I don't know, or it, it doesn't, then you may not want to say it. Yeah. And so you and I have had some, you know, some tough conversations about just kind of, you know, things that have been happening. And that's one of the things that I, I, I have had to learn how to deal with. Yeah. And to be honest, I'm still learning how to do, deal sure. with it. But that's something that you, you work out in private. You don't work that out on a platform. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. And so just having people to understand whomever you bring in on, on board and, uh, yeah, whomever you bring in on staff, that they have to understand those, those boundaries. Yeah. Um, and when and when not 
to to be verbal and, and communicate certain things because sometimes you know you don't have all the answers and just because you don't have all the answers doesn't mean you need to spew hate or spew frustration yeah because sometimes it's not even hate you know it's just frustration like it's it's valid frustration yeah but you can't communicate that from a stage if you're trying to promote the gospel yeah because i i'm sorry but uh my christianity and my faith comes before my blackness mm. and so yeah if if I if that's not my resolve as a leader in the church, yeah. rather I was white, black, you know, uh, Spanish or, or whatever, yeah. if that's not my resolve. Then I may need to reconsider my position. Yeah, and I think it's really, really important for us that are leading in a multi ethnic context are striving to grow in that that we understand racial reconciliation is not a destination; it's a continuum. Yeah. That's in good. other words, it's an ongoing conversation. So we live in a culture, in a country, in personal relationships. There are going to be events that are going to happen yeah. that are going to cause frustration, mm-hmm. anger, resentment, yeah. hurt. Yeah. And I'm not saying any of those things uh, are good, but they are a reality living in a fallen world with fallen human beings. Yeah. And although there are horrible things that have happened in our history sure. with slavery that lead to the dynamics of race in our country from black and white, um, there will always be race issues because the human heart builds up idols, and one of those being culture in which we say to ourselves, we tell ourselves the lie that one human being or one race is more valuable than another. Mm. That's inherent to the sinful problem of the human heart. Yeah. And so people are going to devalue others and overvalue their culture and color yeah. because of our sin issues. Wow. Uh, and it's not good or right or just in any, any shape of the imagination, yeah. but it's a reality. And so it's a continuum. Like things are going to happen that are going to stir things up, bring up hurts, bring new issues. Mm-hmm. That as church leaders in the multi ethnic church, we have to be very, very willing to point out the elephants in the room, point out national events, point out things are happening, saying, this may be what's happening. But here's what the gospel says about this. Facts. And, and and regardless of what's happening with those things, we're a family that goes much deeper than the color of our skin. Yeah. It goes to the blood of Jesus shed for all of us that made us family. For sure. Uh, and so I think it's a, it's an ongoing process yeah. where we're talking through and figuring out how do we do life together and seek to understand one another, um, seek to love one another, seek to empathize with one another, and love one another well, especially when there are crazy things happening. Um, that we double down on saying less, hearing better, um, and loving one another well, even if we don't agree about everything that's happening. Right. Uh, you know, just being able to say, you know what, I'm, I'm glad you shared that with me. Yeah. I'm glad I understand better your perspective. Because that's love, right? For sure. Because love understands that difference is valuable. Yeah. You know, like when I met my wife, there's so many things I value about who she is that I'm not. Like, she is super, like, in the details. Like, I can have a great vision, and then she's like, just brings me down, you know, where the rubber meets the road. Like, that's great. How are you going to fund it? How are you going to staff right. it? You know, all those uh-huh. sort of things. Uh-huh. And so love values difference. For sure. And so the gospel, our, our gospel love compels us to say, help me understand your difference and your different perspective and experience. Yeah. Um, and it's in that I think we can grow and loving another well, and, and we can we can kind of do away with the stereotypes because we have a relationship. You know, we say, so man, I, I I understand better where you're coming from now with that. That's so good. Um, so real quick, um, let's talk about the idea, man, of just uh, being uncomfortable 
or being comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> it's uh, like which, oxymoron, right? I know, right? Yeah. So I know that was a, a, a phrase that was coined a, a few yeah. years back. Yeah. But I know we had went to a multi-ethnic uh, conference, and one of the uh, the statements that stuck with me is that in being in a multi-ethnic context, uh, everyone should experience some inconvenience. Sure. Yeah. So and that thing just stuck with me. So uh, even as you know, a worship leader. Uh, trying to be creative and all that stuff you yeah. know because we all have our preferences things that we like don't like whatever but i have always since i've heard that that has been something that's been at the forefront of my mind in leading our people yeah. you know at midtown um is man just at some point everybody has to be inconvenient so whether it's having someone come up and pray in spanish yeah you know without giving a disclaimer no just allow them to pray in spanish yeah and in their heart language and allow all the people who are english-speaking people in the room let them experience that because they experience yeah. it every Sunday. True. So our Spanish-speaking people experience that inconvenience every Sunday. Yeah, you know, and some words don't translate in Spanish. True. So you know those moments when when we hit those roadblocks, you know, they have to feel that inconvenience. True. You know, uh, because our translator can't translate it or whatever yeah. have you. So, yeah, I guess we just spend just a, a brief moment just talking about that, man. Yeah. You know, your ideas on that. So I think it's very easy for us, and we mentioned this in previous podcasts. It's very easy for us to confuse our cultural practices and traditions in the church with the elements of the gospel and what we should be doing in the church, uh, when really we just need to be missionaries preaching teaching the gospel, being Jesus' hands and feet, providing healing for the community and preaching the good news. Yeah. And we have a lot of things that orbit around that. Uh, and so um, whenever we get into how do we do worship, when we yeah. get into how do we do kids' ministry, um, we begin to see difference. You begin to see, you know, where if you're in kids ministry, for instance, and you're in a multi-class uh, uh, scenario, yeah. you may have a kid that lives in a violent apartment. This mm. had some tragic happen that week. Yeah, uh, and, and the leaders have to be attuned to. You have a family coming where the kids are in a somewhat normal and good environment. Yeah, and then you got kids that are coming from extreme brokenness. Wow, and it's not clean. <laughs> it's messy. Come on. Yeah, uh, and true. so it means being able to to whenever he blurt, blurts something out about something he saw or heard, uh, that you're able to deal with that in a good way and helpful way, and you don't stig you know, you don't give a stigma to that kid where he then gets a negative identity because of what he's experienced. That's good. Uh, or maybe you're in our worship context, right, mm -hmm. where we begin to sing and where maybe you came from uh, more of a traditional, uh, you know, uh, white context, you know, where it's much more like, you know, we're going to we're going to read these public readings or we're going to, you know, and people don't raise their hands in worship, much less maybe dance a little bit in worship. Don't get, you know, uh, and so you get in a context where, you know, you're used to that and people start moving around a little bit in a multi-ethnic context. You're like, this is a little different, you know, right. it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, and so I think our commitment has to be um, to the gospel and us being a diverse group of people following Jesus together uh, and being able to say, I'm okay with being uncomfortable because what's most important about this church is that we are a preview of heaven, uh, not a display of my norms. That's good. That's so good. Now, I ain't going to lie. Like that whole worship environment thing, I had to get used to. Sure. I ain't going to lie because, you know, where we come from, man, we 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 – we uh we were a little radical, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. So you know, coming to a room where it wasn't as that, you yeah. know, uh, but still very heartfelt, and very sincere. True. You know, just shown and expressed in a different way. Yeah. Um, and just note to any worship leaders that may be listening, it's okay. Everybody don't have to do what you say all the time. It's okay. God is still getting the glory. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, guys, I think we're out of time for yeah. this one. 
Um, but man, it's been a great a great discussion. Thank you as always. Yeah, man. Uh, this it. is um, this is the man right here. I, I don't know how many times I can say it. <laughs> just it's the truth, anyhow. Um, but y'all, thank y'all so much for tuning into the Mega Podcast. This is your boy Marcel with your boy Micah. That's right. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I might start saying that from now on. Your boy. There you go. Your boy. Anywho, I'll deuces. take it. I'll receive it. Next it right. Mega Monday. See I, you then. I did it right that time. You feel me? All right. Yeah, that's right. Cause I did this way. Anywho, bye, y'all. All right. Then.